0: This video is going to provide a biblical analysis of the World Mission Society church of God, they often just call themselves the church of God and they are a group that preaches that there's a person called Mother God that you have to believe in if you want to be a true Christian. So uh, the purpose of this video really is to help people who have been influenced by this group or maybe you have a loved one who's been influenced by this group and the help you need is real specific, right? You don't need someone to mock or ridicule or name call, you need someone to listen to the actual statements the group makes what's the propaganda coming from the world mission society church of god and then to analyze those things in the light of scripture and in the light of logic and that's what i'm going to do right now um, if you watched my first video on the world mission society church of god well that has been taken off of youtube because they the group themselves they found out about it and it was causing members to leave the group because of the things i'm about to share with you and they didn't like it so they filed a copyright claim now that's still unresolved it might get back up it might not i i can't predict the future there and so uh, this video is going to give you not only the content I shared before, but even more content. However, I have to strip this video entirely of screenshots and video captures from content produced by the group because then they can file another copyright claim. Even though it's fair use, uh, it doesn't matter. They'll, cop- they'll file the claim and I don't want to get in the legal just difficulties and drawn out legal trials that would potentially uh, come as a result. So, this is where you're going to find out what ruffled their feathers so bad that people from the group had to leave and they went ahead and filed a legal complaint against my last video. So, let's get started. The, uh, the World Mission Society Church of God, that is the group that we're talking about today. And this, this is not their logo. No, this is a picture of the Sydney Opera House, but it looks a lot like their logo. So, you can see, just imagine their logo here. I wouldn't want to get a copyright strike for using their logo. Um, They're a growing religious group. This group actually has over 2 million members, close to 3 million members now, and they pretend to be Christian, but in reality, they teach about someone called God the Mother and that you, listen, you have to believe in God the Mother in order to be saved. Now, in reality, God the Mother is a 74-year-old Korean woman who lives in South Korea. This is not her. No, this is not her. Her name is Zhang Gilja, and you can look her up online, just type in those letters you see right there. I wouldn't want to put a picture of her up because I don't want to get sued for those things. Now what bothers people is this they'll 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 approach and they target college campuses and they're they're specifically targeting uh, rich Americans. That's their target group right now. And they go to you on your college campus especially and they say things like, Have you heard of Mother God? Have you heard of God the Mother? and you're really thrown off and this wouldn't really bother you too much but what bothers people is they use the Bible to try to prove that God the mother exists and that's what we're going to do is answer those biblical passages they take out of context we're going to deal with that today and if you're part of this group know this I'm not making fun of you I'm not attacking you I'm giving you a lifeline I'm trying to help you because you've been lied to about the Bible and I'm going to show it to you don't take my word for it just listen to what I'm sharing today and consider these things think it through and you will see it for yourself you'll see right through those lies so uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share information from a World Mission Society church of God propaganda video. This is not one of their propaganda videos. Um, This is a video of a squirrel eating stuff, a baby squirrel. Um, But (laughs) the thing is, I can't show you their video, but I promise you I'm quoting them accurately and I'll put the link for their video in the video description here so you can go to that link. I can't guarantee they won't take it down later to avoid people getting to click my links uh, because they seem to have taken notice of me, but this stuff is in their video. I'm faithfully representing their content, and here's some specific claims they make in that propaganda video that I've linked below. They say, let's take the first two claims, they say, and I quote, children can only have life if there's also a mother because it is the mother who gives birth. Okay, I I would agree with that. Then number two, their second claim is this. The existence of a father naturally indicates that there are children. We would usually agree with that. Children can only have life if there's also a mother because it is the mother who gives birth. This is the claim that they make. And this is how they get you to start thinking that there's a God, the mother. There's a problem with this claim. This is what we call an argument from analogy. Now, in understanding the Bible in understanding God and in all honesty, in understanding everything in life, You can't just use arguments from analogy. See, analogies are no good at proving things. Analogies are no good at proving things. Analogies explain things very well. They they help make things clear. They're examples to explain what I'm talking about, but they don't prove things. So arguments from analogy, which is pretty much when it comes down to it, this is all that they have is an argument from analogy. This is this is their number one thing. Um, they don't prove anything. False teachers, I've discovered as I've, I've dealt with Mormonism, dealt with Jehovah's Witnesses, dealt with this sort of content. False teachers love analogies. They like to try to disprove the Trinity based on analogies uh, rather than just going to the text of Scripture. Um, so here's a couple of questions. If this is true, if if God the mother must exist because um, you know, children means that there's a father and a mother and we're children. So then God must have a, be a father and there must be a mother as well. If that's true, if that's rational and logical, then it's also rational and logical that God must have a, his own father, right? Because every father has a father and every mother has a father and a mother. So where's God, the grandfather? And then there has to be God, the grandmother. Do you see the problem here? We can't invoke a deity into, into Christian theology based on an analogy and not a clear teaching of Scripture. That's a very dangerous thing to do. Um, I mean if, if I'm gonna do analogies like this, I could, I could do it this way. I could say, well if if God the Father produced me, I'm his child, I'm his son, and sons are the same as their fathers as far as their identity. So that means I'm God. Well, I'm God, but it also means God is human. So God must be a man and I must be God. And, and this, is, this is called heresy, right? This is rank heresy, dangerous false teaching. But all I need to invoke my false teaching is a convenient analogy. So beware analogies. Analogies are good for explaining things. They don't prove anything. But there's another issue here. The argument from analogy they're using, it gets the analogy wrong. The Bible doesn't say that all humans are children of God. No, it does not say that. It says that we become children of God by adoption. That's what we read in Ephesians 1.5. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, we're adopted. Now, you don't adopt your own children, do you? No, when you adopt, it's because they're not your children. Therefore, then you adopt them and they become your children. We don't start as children of God. We're his creation, not his children. When we come to him through Christ, we become his children. First Peter 1.23 also mentions this. It says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Now this, this destroys their analogy for two reasons. One, again, I need a new birth so I can become his son. But even the birth I have, the birth that brings me into Christ, it doesn't come through a mother. It comes through the word of God. I'm born through the word of God. I hear the word of God, I receive it, and then I become born again. And so the analogy completely breaks down. Here's another specific verse to refute this and explain this to you a little bit better. Why we shouldn't use clever analogies to give us new theology. Colossians two verses eight and nine says, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of man, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. So you see the 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 admonition here in Colossians is that we won't allow people to take us with analogies of the way the world works, therefore God must be that way, right? The elementary principles of the world. Oh well, if the world's like this, then God must be that way. Let's, uh, let's, let's now tackle um, another point, uh, point number three from their video. This is not their video. This is a video of a, of a monkey eating bread, which uh, I, have used, I have copyright permission to use. Uh, it says, it, on their video, it says, Christ showed us to pray to our Father in heaven because as children of God, we also have God our mother. We have God our mother. Now here's the verse they use to support this theology where they just invoke a new God. Into Christianity uh, using this verse Matthew 6 9 pray then like this our Father in heaven hallowed be your name our Father in heaven hallowed be your name follow the logic here Jesus says when you pray you will pray to the Father therefore God the mother exists does that follow does, does that make sense like let's suppose that you're at home and you're, you're, you're at home and you live with your parents, mom and dad, father and mother both live there and you get a phone call and you answer the phone and it's your, it's your dad's boss and he says to you, tell your dad, tell your dad to come into work today, it's urgent, he needs to go right now and you hang up the phone and you say, hey mom, you have to go to work today. Like, that doesn't make any sense, right? Because you can't just transfer from one to the other. Jesus tells us to pray to the Father. This means pray to the Father, not the mother. This doesn't mean anything about the mother existing. I'm adopted. He becomes my father through adoption. And yes, a single dad could adopt somebody. And then I'm told I pray to him through Christ. So this is the opposite of what Jesus actually said. And it's so often that cult groups uh, will use the very verse that proves them wrong to try to prove them right. I see it over and over again if all you will do is look at the context read the verse slowly thoughtfully you'll always see through it then the fourth claim they make in their propaganda video is that she god the mother is testified in the bible from the beginning to the end that throughout the entire bible from beginning to end, which means what? It means I'm going to find her all over the place. Just like when I, when I do a study on Jesus in the Bible, I see him in every book of the Bible. I see him all the time. Over and over again, I see references to Christ, teaching about Christ, prophecy about Christ, pictures of Christ, theology about him. But they're saying that that's also true about God the mother. Now, this is an important claim. So what we're going to do today is we're going to hear them out. And we're not just going to use their one propaganda video that I've linked below. I'm also going to look at their website. On their website, under the title God the Mother Exists, and you can click the website. In fact, here you go. This is not a picture of their website. That's my cat, Moxie. That's Mox in a box for you. And um, I can't show you their website because I don't want them to sue me for it. So so here you go. There's, there's my cat. But please click on the link and go to their website. This will take you right to the page where they have a list of reasons why you should believe in God the Mother. Where they try to present evidence and the first line of evidence that they bring. The very, very first scripture on the World Mission Society Church of God website is Romans chapter 1. Now I'm going to read this to you and I want you to try to figure out how it proves God the mother. Then I'll tell you how they try to use it to prove God the mother. The verse says they know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Now, do you see Mother God in that passage? Here's how they get Mother God smuggled into Romans 1. Here's what they say from their website. God created all living things. Though there are many different species with different habitats and characteristics, all share one commonality— they all receive life from their mother. This is God's will for life to exist. Now, they never really fully explain this, right? This is not my fault that they don't explain it. Please go on their website and look at it yourself, but they quote Romans 1 that says everyone knows God exists because they can see through creation that God exists. And they say, let's now now let's let's take this and let's turn it into the same argument from analogy that they had in the beginning, the same bad argument from analogy. And they say, "Hey, um God made animals. Animals come from a mother and a father, and therefore, God the mother. That doesn't make sense. It's terrible logic. It's the same bad argument from analogy, and it's also a terrible use of scripture. Let me show you how Romans 1 could not possibly be misconstrued to mean this uh, in any rational way. So it says here, they know the truth about God. We're looking at that verse again. Because he, male pronoun, he, has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Now, this is where, um, in one sense, I can say um, you're rejecting God's chosen personal pronouns when you don't call him he he or him. (laughs) So there's something to think about. But this is just such a bad use of scripture. But it's worse than that. Um, obviously this passage is only about a masculine God, not a, not a male God like he has male body parts and stuff because God is not a man, but, but male in the sense of gendered, in the sense of how God wants to present himself to humanity and that's a whole other video, but this is clear that this is he, not her, that this is just about the God that made all things who is a he. This is a terrible use of scripture to try to twist this that proves them wrong into proving them right. But their logic is wrong too. Because not every animal needs both sexes to reproduce. I mean, this is not even true factually, right? The co- there's a uh, types of komodo dragons that where where one komodo dragon will reproduce babies, viable living babies, without the two genders. And there's other animals that you can get examples of this too. So that doesn't hold true across all creation like they suggest. Um, but also, there's a problem. With this mankind, we weren't we weren't born. We were created, right? Genesis one and two it tells us that God created man, God made man. It doesn't say God birthed man, God made man in his image, not birthed him. This would be like saying that uh, when you're creating as a, as a man, I'm, I'm drawing, I can only draw pictures of men, I can't draw pictures of women, I'm just not capable of it. Only a woman can draw women. That, that, see that's where your analogy falls apart in this kind of point. Again, we become children of God. Let me take you to another verse that supports this. In uh, Galatians 3.26, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. We're all sons of God through faith in Christ. That's, we become sons of God. We're not born that way. We become that way. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So the point is that in Christ there isn't this like male image of God in the men, female image of God in the women. The the male image comes from the male God, the female image comes from the female God, like this is just utter folly when it comes to actual theology. No male, no female. This is irrelevant to the issue. Then there's another claim also presented both on their website and in their video, which I've linked below and carefully did not show you so as to avoid frivolous lawsuits. Genesis 1, 26 through 27, according to them, proves that God the mother exists. Now maybe you've read the Bible, maybe you've spent lots of hours with the Bible. And you're like, wow, I, I, I somehow I missed this other deity, you know, in the Bible. But this is what they claim. They claim that in the creation passage where God says, let us make man in our image, that God used plural pronouns, us and our, us make man, our image. And therefore, this means more than one God was involved in the creation. And that Adam was created in the male image of God by the male God. Eve was created in the female image of God by, by the female God. That's their theology. And again, this is um, this is a, 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 a terrible twisting of the text. Let's actually look at the Bible and see what it says. Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. And male and female, he created them. Do you get the idea? Yes, the phrase us and our is used when God says, let us make man in our image. And I'll talk about that in just a second. But, but whose image were they created in? And was it one image or two? Well, it's just one image, right? God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. This masculine, Pronoun, he created both male and female. We don't need some female counterpart to do the creating of the females. That's not necessary. God's not so weak that he's incapable of making women. So God created man in his own image. Both of us in one image. Me, me and my wife, male, female, were both equally in God's image, in his image equally. Because his image doesn't include gendered body parts, right? It's something bigger and better than that. So there's not two images, there's just one. And the us is plural, yes, but the image is singular. Um, So who is the we though? Why is it saying, let us make man in our image? Is this multiple gods that are doing the creating? No, no. In fact, Genesis one thirty-one supports this. It says, and God saw everything he had made and behold, it was very good. There was evening and morning, the sixth day. So there's just one God, why is he referring to himself as a plur- as a plurality? Well, there's a couple different options uh, that theologians have taken over the years. Uh, one option is to consider that this could be the Trinity, uh, you know, either clearly taught or at least implied in the passage. The us could be a Trinity type thing. Um, others think that this could refer to the angels because he'd already made the angels at this point. We, we read in Job that the sons of God were rejoicing during these times. So those angels were already made at that point. So maybe it's angelic, angelic beings, and, he's, and, and others say, no, 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 there's a third option. Us is like the royal we, like when a, when a ruler says, As, we shall go over here, and they go over there. It's, it's just a, a majestic plurality where you just say we, even though you're just talking, you're just talking about yourself. Personally, I think this actually implies the Trinity. Um, I, I think it, it doesn't maybe clearly teach it, but I think it implies it, and we use other scriptures to support it more thoroughly. Um and I'll give you one scripture to support this. Isaiah forty four twenty-four says, I am the Lord who made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. That this 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 is God, he is Yahweh, he's the Lord, and He made everything, and He did it how? By Himself. He did it completely alone. And so when he says, Let us make man, could he be referring to angels? I don't think so, because they didn't participate in creation. They didn't do any of the making. So it was Him who did it alone. So the us is God is a plurality within Himself. He is a plurality, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So let's look at more weird theology from the World Mission Society Church of God. Here we go. From their website, it says, Now Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. Then they go on. In the book of Genesis, we see God give Adam the power to do everything. However, the one thing Adam could not do was give life. This is from their website. Click the link in the description to go check it out. It's not not a very long page. Although they may change it after uh, seeing this video and wanting to spin things because they seem to like spin, which I may do another video on that in the future. So Adam to them is a symbol of, of the representation of Christ. Well, I agree. This is clear in the Bible. Adam is a uh, is a counter type to Christ. That's definitely true. And then they say in the book of Genesis, and this is where it gets weird, God gave Adam the power to do everything. Is that true? Did, did God give Adam the power to do everything? Could Adam fly? Could could Adam eat 50 pounds of meat in seven seconds? Uh, could Adam like snap his fingers and create things? Could he have the ability to create trees or create mice or create wind or something like that? No, Adam didn't have the ability to do everything. The Bible says he had dominion. Dominion, meaning he's in charge. It doesn't mean ability. It means authority. And there's a big difference between those things. But they want to say Adam had the ability to do everything because they're about to make a bad analogy from Adam to God. So let's continue. This is why he named his wife Eve, because it means life, right? And he called her the mother of all who live. Since life only comes from the mother, from a mother, prophetically, God lets us know that even though God the father exists, God the mother is necessary for spiritual life, eternal life. This is so far off base, but I understand why it confuses people. But let me please explain to you why, if this has confused you, if this has tricked you, if this has fooled you into believing in a false God, then let me explain some things to you. First off, everything's wrong with this. We do know that Adam does represent Jesus, right? But Adam doesn't represent the father, just Jesus. Think about that. Jesus and the father are not the same thing. Jesus is not the father. And there could be a whole other video on that. That, That's called either modalism or or oneness and some different... Wrong teaching that goes on there. Um, plus, we know Adam, he could do lots of things, but he couldn't do everything. Um, couldn't create, for instance. Couldn't transform himself into a hippopotamus. Couldn't shoot lasers out of his eyeballs or, or, or cause tornadoes by wiggling his ears. Right? None of that kind of stuff. Right? Why do they say all this? Right? They want to pretend that Adam represents more than he does so they can make Eve out to represent more than she does. This is another argument from analogy, which is pretty much their only thing that they do. How does Adam actually represent Christ to show us that we don't need a a female God uh, the way that Adam needed a female to produce children? How does he really represent Jesus? Well, Romans 5 puts puts it this way. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, that's how he represents Christ all of sin came into the world through one man and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sin for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who is to come. See, he is a type of Christ, but not in the way that they're pretending, but the free gift is not like the trespass for if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the, uh, much more, Have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. I think I got my words mixed up there, but you had the text on the screen to to read it correctly. Um, So what is it really saying here? Adam is a picture of Christ in the way that you, 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 you have like an opposite image of something. He's the opposite of Jesus. They both are the same in the sense that Adam represents all of mankind. When he sins, we all fall. And Jesus represents all of mankind. When he dies and rises, we all potentially can be saved by looking to him. So he he stands to represent all of us, but everything else is an opposite image. Adam brings death; Jesus brings life. Adam brings sin; Jesus brings righteousness. These are opposite images, and they're related specifically to the issue of salvation, and they have nothing to the issue of creation. Do you follow me here? Nothing to do with creation. The picture of how Adam represents Jesus has nothing to do with creation. It is only about salvation. So let's, let's continue. On their website, they also have a, have a phrase, the bride of Christ is our mother. This is really important to them, right? Because they told us that they have throughout the Bible, they have evidence for this God the mother woman. So this is important. Well, they say that the bride of Christ, when the Bible uses the phrase bride of Christ, it's referring to mother God or God the mother. Let's look at the text they use to support this. The spirit and the bride say, come and let the one who hears say, come and let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. What a hijacking. Okay, let me give you some actual theology from the Bible, right? The spirit is not the father. That's what they would say here, right? The bride is the mother, is mother God and the spirit. Well, that, that would be the father who is also the son. That this is just, it's so confused. I understand how if you're part of this group, you're probably really scratching your heads when it, when it comes to understanding the Bible now after hearing such deceit. So the Spirit, according to them, is the Father. The Bride is God, the Mother. And the Spirit and the Bride are saying, come to everybody else. This is not the case. In actual biblical teaching and theology, the Holy Spirit, he convicts the world, right? And the the action of the Spirit saying, come, is the Holy Spirit convicting internally in the hearts of mankind being aware of their sin being aware of God's righteousness being aware that judgment is coming Jesus talked about this and how when the sinner goes Oh, I need to be saved That's the Holy Spirit working in their life saying come 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 and then the bride is us The bride are believers are Christians and I can prove this to you from the Bible without any shadow of a doubt the bride are believers and how do we say come we we preach the gospel We go into the world and we tell people, come to Jesus, come be saved, come be forgiven of your sins, come be washed clean of all that you've done. And so we all say, come, repent and believe. Um, But they say, no, 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 no. Um, (laughs) They say, we're the body of Christ. We're not the bride of Christ. And since we're his body, we can't be his bride. Another argument from analogy. Uh, in reality, we're both the body of Christ and the bride. These are just different analogies for communicating different things. So let's look at the actual scripture what it says here. Um, and First, let me, let me just say this before I move on. I, I can't pass this up. It's too important. If, if the bride is God the mother, and she's now getting married to who in Revelation? To Jesus, to Christ, the bride of Christ. But Christ is called the Son of God, the Son of the Father. So now God the mother is marrying her son in their theology. That would be a weird kind of spiritual incest. I don't know what to explain about that. She's marrying her own son. And then who's God the mother, this woman in Korea, the 74-year-old woman, Zengil Ja. So she's she's come, but she was actually born from the children of her own creation. So she's her own grandma. Think about this for a second. This, none of this works. None of this is rational. Um, Okay, so let's move on though. Let's talk about the Bride of Christ. Who is the Bride of Christ biblically? 2 Corinthians 11.2, Paul writes to the Corinthians, I feel a divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. We're the Bride. We're the Bride of Christ. He's our future husband. We're being married to him. Yes, that's an analogy. Yes, that's. but that's a biblical analogy. We're not making stuff up. In Ephesians 5.22, he says, Connecting human marriage to this, this idea of us being the bride of Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. The relationship between us is the same. His body and is himself its savior. See, where the church and the body. Both analogies right there, verse 23 of Ephesians 5. Both analogies are true. You can't put one against the other. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, wives, Christ, church. Do you see the parallel the Bible's drawing? And so it, it goes on. It continues. Let me read a little bit further ahead. Ephesians 5.31 Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. What mystery? The mystery of how a husband and wife come together in their unity and there's this beautiful amazing thing called marriage. What's it really about? Christ and the church. Christ and the church. Christ and the church. Not God the mother. What a, what a butchering of scripture. What a hijacking of Christianity. This is not Christianity. This is a, This is what we call a cult and for good reason. And so let's Let's evaluate now again the statement they made. From the beginning to the end, the Bible teaches God the mother. Have we seen any verses that teach God the mother? No, not a single one. But there's others they use. A couple others they use really quick I want to cover. And then I'll tell you in a minute what the Bible actually does teach about God the mother because there is one verse you need to know. Galatians 4.26, it says, But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. And then they combine it with Revelation 21, 9 and 10. It says, come, I will show you the bride, wife, the bride, wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. So the, the God, the mother group, what they'll do is they'll tell you, um, you know, whoever this Jerusalem is, Jerusalem above, she's our mother. And then we see Jerusalem coming down out of the clouds and she's who? The bride. And therefore God, the mother, now, now, never is she called God. Never is Jerusalem called God. No. And, and that goes completely against the Bible, against the Bible teaching monotheism, against God alone creating, against God making in one image um, all of men, male and female. All Everything about it is wrong. But here's the, here's the issue here. In Galatians 4.26 and in Revelation 21, we're talking from two different time frames. Okay? Galatians is talking about right now. Right now, Jerusalem, that's above, which is symbolic of heaven. When I will dwell with God for all eternity, that's the Jerusalem from above, my promised land up above. That's heaven. She's our mother. So this is like about citizenship. This is like when I, if if I'm from from Russia, I say Russia's my motherland. I'm not from Russia, but if I was, right, my, Russia's my motherland. So I, she's my mother in that sense. Now Revelation flash forward thousands of years. Now we're in the time in Revelation 21. Where God recreates the heaven, heaven and earth and he brings heaven to earth and dwells on earth with mankind. Read, read Revelation, the last couple chapters. You can read about it yourself. And now the dwelling place of God is with man. So this Jerusalem, this future destination, heaven, is now a present destination. So where am I? Where's the bride of Christ? The wife of the Lamb? We are in that city that we were waiting to go to at the moment. And so we have two different time frames, right? In Galatians 4... She's my motherland, uh, the place I'm, d- I'm going to one day. My citizenship is of heaven, it says in the Bible. In Revelation 21, it is my current dwelling place, and the people are called by the name of the city, just like uh, I, I, called, I call them the new Jerusalem, just like I would say, hey, Philadelphia, if I was surrounded by a bunch of people from Philadelphia, I could call them by their city name. In no way is this God the mother. This is always the bride of Christ. This is always the case. So then there's another very interesting claim on the website because I'm not done yet. I want to cover every major claim they make where they try to prove this false God uh, into the minds of unsuspecting and often biblically uneducated people. Um, This is a warning, by the way. Don't be biblically uneducated. You're you're easily swayed and easily tricked. So it says on their website, uh, God grants us the promised eternal life only after we know and believe in God the Mother only, and here's the verse they use to support this, 1st John two twenty five, and this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life, does that verse say, d- does it, think about this, does this verse say that God the mother is the only path to eternal life, no, there's a promise, there's a he who promised it, and we get eternal life, now you go read First John and you will see clearly that it's faith in Jesus that gives us access to this eternal life. It has nothing to do with God the mother. Craziness. Now let me give you another scripture so that you can know that it is not only the mother that can give you eternal life. John 17 3 says, And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. You is the only true God. This is the father. If you read actually John 17, Jesus is talking to the father. So he says that you're the only true God. All right. There's only one true God. There isn't, there's there's one true God, three in one. There's just one God. God, the mother does not exist. And who is it that gives us eternal life when we know them? It's not God, the mother, which is what they claim up above here. No, down below it is just knowing God, the father, Jesus Christ, whom he sent that is eternal life. Hello, this is where the World Mission Society Church of God quite literally says the exact opposite of the Bible and then quotes the Bible to try to prove themselves right. Now, God the mother, you might ask, is that, is that concept ever actually in the Bible? And the answer is yes. It is actually in the Bible in Jeremiah chapter 7. It says here in verses 18 and 19, and it's not in a good way, it says the children gather wood, the fathers kindle fire, and the women knead dough to make cakes for the queen of heaven. And they pour out drink offerings to other gods to provoke me to anger. It is I whom, Is it I whom they provoke, declares the Lord? Is it not themselves to their own shame? If you have been worshiping God the mother, singing worship songs, because this group does this, to God the mother, you have provoked yourself to your own shame. God, he encountered a time when the children of Israel were trying to create a female deity alongside Yahweh, alongside God. They called her the Queen of Heaven. And they baked cakes for her, and they, they, they basically did for her the stuff they did for God. They offered worship to her. And God says, ooh, it has, it has upset me. It has provoked me, and you have made yourselves shameful in my eyes. This queen of heaven, historically probably Ishtar or, or another female deity, um, she represented fertility and motherhood. And what does God, the mother, represent to you? Oh, motherhood and love and, and and fertility and the production of children and all this sort of thing. This is this is nothing less than ancient paganism, re like raising its head up again to to come in and and get unsuspecting, biblically unaware people to draw away into lies and then to go and visit their their visit them in South Korea and give them lots of money and all that sort of thing. It is a very, very twisted, wrong, and scary cult group. They also like to say that only the mother, only the mother can produce eternal life. Let me, let me, uh, let me quote the scripture to you what it actually says. For my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up at the last day. Now, this is clear. The scripture is clear, right? Jesus is going to raise us up at the last day. Who? Jesus. Not someone else. Jesus, right? It's the Father and Jesus are the only people in, uh, you know, in view in this passage. But what do they say about it? Listen to this. This is what their website says. Yet why did he delay giving eternal life until these last days? By promising eternal life at the last day, Jesus was letting us know that God the mother, the giver of spiritual life would appear in our time. What? Let, let, let read this again. Where do you see God the mother, the giver is the giver of spiritual life and she'll appear sometime in the future? Okay, let me read it again. For, for my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. Okay, I have to look to Jesus. I have to trust in him. And, and, and Jesus, he's going to raise those people up at the last day. That's, that's it. That's all it says. So why do they say this about it? Now, I'm going to give you four problems with their interpretation. First off, the life that Jesus provides is immediate. He he says, you're going to believe in me and you're going to have life. It will happen right now. You've already got eternal life. In fact, that's even in the Greek. That's what it means. They would presently have eternal life, not a future thing. You've already got eternal life the moment you believe in Christ. And that life was was immediate the resurrection the raise you up in the last day that's a future thing so I'm already alive forever and in the future I will get resurrected into a glorified body that's the biblical teaching simple number two they like to say last days in their interpretation of Jesus's words but Jesus didn't say last days he said I will raise him up in the last day in the last day not in the last days not in some future time no there's one event one resurrection event happening in the future time that's what's being spoken of here Um, they go on though. So it's more than that. Third problem is the mother's assistance isn't needed. (laughs) The Bible says Jesus will raise us up in the last day. That's it. Jesus alone. I'm going to raise them up. That's me. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. He's not waiting on the mom. Hey mom, I need your help with this. Like this is, this is not biblical. (laughs) It's not true. Um, also there's more issues with it. They say God, the mother is the giver of spiritual life. And this of course is the fourth problem with it. Who gives us spiritual life according to the Bible? Is it God the mother? Is the mother required for life? As their broken analogy continually keeps saying to us. The Bible actually says this. For as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the son gives life to whom he will. Mom, not required. The father and the son. And and the relationship of father-son is related to the incarnation of Christ, not some some sort of weird father-mother deity thing going on. Okay, so I think, that, I think that I've taken them out, right? I mean, every point, every interpretation, every single thing that they've offered has been utterly wrong. It's been a lie. This is a dangerous and irrational cult. And so here's my, my final, I want to leave you with this thought. Do not neglect the Bible. Look, you didn't even need me to tell you they were wrong. If you would have just opened the Bible, and read it in context, and tried, just try tried to ignore, forget teaching, pretend like I've never heard any of that stuff. Let me just read what it says. Then you would see through these fallacious lies. We've got to know the word of God. God has given this f- for us so that we would be thoroughly equipped for every good work, so that we would know true doctrine from false doctrine. You need to read the Bible. I, I would love to help you with my videos online and my teaching content. And maybe I'll have some insights that you won't find on your own. But if you want to just... No simple theology of who Jesus is. All you got to do is study the Bible on your own and you can get there. Um, It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. You've got to develop the ability to hear an interpretation of the Bible and to ask, does it actually say that? And then to look at it in context and try to figure it out. and and just so you all know, if you have a problem with my theology, if, if someone from the World Mission Society Church of God watches this video, I would love to talk to you about it. I'll even debate you friendly and cordially. Uh, I'd love to have that conversation with you. Um, and I promise not to sue you if you want to uh, try to deal with my theology or interact with my content online. And in the future, I do plan on making more stuff because there's a lot more to know about this particular group. There's also about Christ Ansang Hong, the founder of the group, who said he was Jesus, returned. Uh, more information about Zengil Ja and her multiple marriages, and more about the tactics and deceptions of the group and how they misrepresent themselves. With their web, Go look at their website. It's all about how glorious they are and how much volunteer service they do. You wouldn't even know they were a cult group until you really dug, because they're trying to put up a pharisaical whitewashed wall up in front of you so that it will look nice from the outside. The truth is something very different. Finally, I'll say this: If you have have escaped from this group, and um, and you want to share some of your story, I'd love to have you send me a message and tell me your story. I would very much love to read about it and find out um, how how they got you, what you found out when you were in it, what led you out. I'd love to hear your story. Thank you guys so much. I've, I'm Mike Winger, and this has been uh, one of my theology and apologetics videos. I'll be back to live streaming in a couple months after after uh, my channel's permitted to do so again because I'm still suffering the consequences of the World Mission Society Church of God uh, filing a legal complaint against me for analyzing their teachings, which I think says something.